0: Hello and welcome back to the Pulp Diction Podcast. It's been far too long. Uh, I would say I've been busy, but that's a lie. But all that is forgotten because we're here to preview the best sporting event in the world, the World Cup. Happens once every four years, and it's just... It's fucking dynamite every time. And I'm joined by Nick. What's up, Nick? What's up, Zach? So, uh, yeah, you... You kind of drew, drove the momentum to get this one on. Um, I think this is the first World Cup I've really felt this passion from you about. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, as, as you might remember from my piece on coarse words, um, I'm pretty new to the soccer love. Like it, It's been a gradual process for me, but especially this past year where I was just officially not, li- not watching, not reading anything about American football. I really had soccer fill that void and went very deep down the rabbit hole and it's been excellent. Yeah. I mean, I,
0: you know, I couldn't agree more. It's just, I mean, even on top of like how into it every other country gets, which is really cool. Like you'll see the fans and and they're just going ape shit and they're just, there's such an energy in all these stadiums. Like just the sporting itself is so great. Like. Like, we don't really feel this in in American sports because football is not super international. um, And, you know, baseball, it's kind of coming, but no one's that passionate about baseball anyway. (laughs) Um, Basketball, and in basketball, like, we're too good. Like, the U.S. is just expected to roll, and they roll. In soccer, this is, like, getting to play for your country, I think, is so special for these guys. And they really do, like... Like, you look at Mo Salah, who we'll talk about for sure, when he goes down, you know in the Champions League finals. So that, you know, it's like the equivalent of going down in Game 7 of the finals. And he's crying, and you have to think, part of this is I can't play in this game, part of it is, oh my god, I might miss the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And, like, to have that be on par for these athletes with the greatest feat they can hit in their own sport, club-wise, is just so cool. And it really speaks to, like, how, how fucking awesome this event is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I... Perhaps being uh, the lefty that I am, the, the overt nationalism is not what I'm coming to this for. Not saying that you are, um, but yeah, the, the nationalism is not is not super big in my in my sort of thinking. What I love is is sort of the wide open field of competition that like so many different people from so many different places who don't necessarily get the exposure. Like they're going to be players from South American leagues, from, you know, Asian leagues, African leagues who don't get the exposure that people playing in the, in the big time European leagues get. Uh, and that's going to be a ton of fun. And, and I do think it is like the nationalistic part that I can get behind is for countries that, that don't really have, um, a lot of power internationally or sort of are, are struggling with like deep domestic issues. I think Egypt is is the, you know, the best case for this one. Who have basically been, uh, you know, living under a military dictatorship for a long time, and having Mo Salah and this Egypt team qualify for the World Cup for the first time in like I don't know thirty years or something crazy like that, maybe more. Um, like bringing kind of that that hope and that like uh, glimmer of better times to come to a place that needs it a lot. So, you know, I I guess that's my way of saying like, like national pride I think has, has something to be said for it. Um, but all the same, not necessarily, uh, people from Germany chanting their, their country's name.
0: So there's, there's two things to the, the like nationalism idea I want to bring up that I think are really positive. Um, one is Oh, my God, I have to remember them now. One <laughs> is that these teams are, like, a little flawed. Um, like, because you're building this roster not to find, you know, to, like, balance out good players or to sign the best players available. You're building out this roster of people who were born in a place. You're going to get these, like, weird hodgepodge teams. The best example for me of this is Argentina, who have probably four world-class strikers on their roster. And then beyond, like, I think it's Goadie it's in their good center back. I'm having a blank. Uh,
1: they're going to be no, starting... No, Grudian's They're going to be starting Ottomendi and Fazio.
0: Yeah, so like... Exactly. Like, Sergio is going to be on the bench, but then Fazio will start. Yeah. Like, you just have these kind of weird teams and they have to... A lot of guys' roles have to change to, like, figure this out and and really make their the talents in their country blend.
1: Although, low-key, I like Fazio.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, the second point I wanted to make...
1: Come on, baby, it's in there somewhere.
0: You go. I just say something. i okay. to think I mean,
1: I, I guess I'll just I'll just close the door on my on my nationalism thing because I don't think that it needs to dominate this conversation. I I just think that like Orwell actually pointed this out that like soccer, like like people who sort of think that sports, like and he was writing about the Olympics, people who think that the Olympics actually bring countries together are sort of crazy because basically like all you have to do is look at, you know, the, the Russian hooligans who put people in the hospital or, um, you know, really just all kinds of like nationally backed bullshit that comes as a result of some of these games. So there's a lot of negativity there, but there also is, um, a lot of beautiful stuff too, especially for countries that, that don't have, uh, a lot of good stuff being said about them on the national stage. All right, it's just gone. It's international depressing. stage, I
0: mean. It's depressing. Okay, then let's,
1: then let's dive right um,
0: in. Yeah, let's dive in. One, one other thing I want to point out, though. To me, one of the coolest things about every World Cup or international competition, or most of them at least, is some, like, unsung star... Or some guy who just is in the wrong club environment, gets the chance to play for their country, and just balls out. Mm-hmm. And Hamas was the guy last year who must have made himself $100 million with how he played for Colombia. And, you know, the guys don't get paid that much, but they are aware that everyone in the world is watching these games. So it would be really cool to see, you know, who knows, maybe someone on a, a kind of mid-tier team like a, a Denmark or a Croatia or, you know, wherever just... Balls out and makes himself a national name and gets signed by a top ten
1: club in the world. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what makes the World Cup a lot like you know March Madness is that everybody is going balls to the wall like from the first whistle to the last. I remembered my point. Let's go. Yeah. Uh,
0: so this is a friend of mine's point actually. Dan Craneck, shout out to him even though he doesn't listen to the pod. Um, what's great and it is somewhat nationalistic about international soccer is that countries have distinct personalities with how they play and whether that's a factor of their people or of their youth system or whatever it's a hundred percent a thing like you look at the spanish national team and even if like you didn't know the well it's not fair even if they were wearing different colored jerseys and you didn't recognize the players you could recognize the style of play Mm -hmm. just by how it goes um the Dutch, when they're actually in international tournaments, have a pretty distinct style of play. Germany is a distinct style of play at this point. France, um, Brazil is maybe the best example. Brazilian football is my favorite football. I'm here for Brazil football. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's just so cool to see that, that happen and, and, like, kind of see all these players come together with similar playing ideals. Um, been talking about positional overlap on teams. Spain winning the whatever it was Euros with like starting six center midfielders was one of my favorite things to watch in soccer. Yeah. Um. Anyway, let's get into it. Enough. Enough pre-talk. Group A. Yep. You've got. Oh, let's do a very speedy, quick how this works. There's eight groups. Four teams in a group. They each play each other. Three points for a win. One for a tie. None for a loss. Top two advance and get seated on opposite sides of the bracket. And then it's a 16-person, single-team, single elimination tournament. Um, so no two legs, no that stuff. Uh, all right, Group A. Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Uruguay. Nick and I had the same two getting through here.
1: I had Uruguay first, Egypt second, as did you. Yes. So, um, yeah. So something that I'll talk about for a second, just, like, I, I think that Uruguay is not getting talked about enough, like... You mentioned Diego Godín Godín's name. He's uh, he's he's the center back for Atletico Madrid and is the and is the center of a really solid defense. So he's actually bringing a lot to the table. Um, and of course, you know, with with Uruguay, you got to talk about Suarez and Cavani, who are like their world world class forwards. And it's you know again, you have this sort of weird positional overlap where like Cavani really. And Suarez essentially play the same position. But But I would say it's fine. You can have yeah. two center forwards. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna make it happen. You just play a
0: 4-4-2 and whip balls at their face.
1: Yeah. And there's there's a guy who I'm uh, putting in who I would like to have everybody look out for. I think he could be a guy like James from last year. His name is Rodrigo Bentancur, who plays for Juve. And he's really young, he's only 20. Um, <clears throat> but he's he's become like a, a real fixture of the Juve team and i think he's a big part of what got them uh you know as far as they got in the champions league so i'm excited to see him him play with you know so much talent up front in terms of like suarez and cavani from that midfield spot yeah i mean you you'd really be hard pressed across the world to find a
0: better forward situation than cavani than cavani suarez mm-hmm. um and, you know, that's what Uruguay is going to need. It's, it's the three guys you mentioned, those two and Gurdien. Gurdien has to lock down the center defense, um, and they just got to hope that one or both of Cavani and Suarez score. Yeah. And I think last World Cup they made a decent run. Maybe it was two World Cups ago. Um, I remember Suarez, like, blocked a goal and got a handbag. <laughs> and they, like, won that game because of that, but he was suspended and they lost the next one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, they got one more
1: guy who I, who I just think deserves to be on the radar. Um, he has not come over to Europe yet, but his name is Nahitan Nandez and he is only 22, but he was at 21 named the captain of the biggest team in Uruguay. So, um, I, I think that that's pretty cool. And a lot of people are saying that he's going to be scouted pretty heavily and will probably come over to Europe after the fact. So another guy that really gets me excited about Uruguay. Yeah. I mean,
0: I think... Salah's the best player in this group, obviously. But oh, for sure. I would say Suarez, Cavani. You could make a case that Suarez, Cavani, and Gooding are the next three. Um, yeah. So that, that to me, gives, gives Uruguay the leg up. Um,
1: well, should we talk Salah for a second?
0: Well, let's. I'm just going to frame it a little bit. Sure. Saudi Arabia, I'm sorry, it's just not going to advance. Nope. And so it, the second spot really comes down to Egypt, Russia. Um, I think <laughs> they're on the same page where, like, If this was played on a neutral field, I'd pick, you know, Egypt in a heartbeat. And if it was played on the home field of a country that wasn't Russia, I would probably still pick Egypt in a heartbeat. The idea of Russian players playing in Russia, it just kind of freaks me out in the sense that I feel like there's going to be chicanery or cheating. Oh, yeah. And, you know, normally you'd have to rely on the institutional integrity of the the sports governing body, but FIFA... Might be the most corrupt thing that exists today, in terms of oh, like, for sure. I am positive that shady shit is going on. Hmm. Um. But you know, maybe as long as they don't get to the refs, the game itself won't get too messed up. But it's things like, you know, well, let's let's
1: alarms re- going off at the yeah. hotel and shit. Like, like, but it's not a level playing field. Let's rewind for a second. Like, so Five Thirty Eight did this great article in December of twenty seventeen that basically calculated the odds of Russia drawing a group that was this easy. Because Uruguay, you know, while I like them a lot, are not the best team coming out of South America. And, like, to get Saudi Arabia and Egypt and not the best team out of out of South America was, like, a one in a bazillion chance. Oh, I'm positive they hand They They actually, like, 538... <laughs> Made the claim that this group, Group A, is actually the easiest group to advance from in modern soccer history.
0: The, I mean, they the fact hold that it it's down Russia. To the
1: well, like, what was the last one? Was it South South? No, no was it was Brazil. It was Brazil. But
0: before that, and Brazil's going to get through pretty much no matter what. Before that, it was South Africa, and I remember them drawing a pretty easy group. Yeah. So I think part of it just that, scares me as so all. So whenever you win the bribe off for the World Cup, which is how they name it, um, <laughs> and they literally like the last guy was, they they always say they're gonna get arrested. But then they just kind of leave and go live to be billionaires in some other country. But when when Russia, whenever you win the bribe off for hosting the World Cup, part of that I think is an easy group draw. It's like a package deal bribe. Yeah.
1: Um, but anyway, all the same, if I was Mo Salah, I would have somebody. Like tasting my food, for you know, poison. in the
0: uh, exactly like in the Gladiator when um the like really huge guy always like Russell R- Russell Crowe's like afraid of to eat the food because he thinks he's gonna be poisoned by a uh, Joaquin Phoenix and the really big dude just like eats his food first. That's what Egypt needs. They <laughs> yeah. need like some like <laughs> backup center back to just be like, all right, I am taking a bite of everything Mo Salah eats <laughs> first, <Yeah. laughs> and like if something goes wrong, it'll like, happen to me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, that's, that scares me. I still have Egypt going through.
1: Yeah, me too. I think, I think if it's a, if it's a just universe, um, if the, if the arc of the moral universe tr- truly bends towards justice, uh, Egypt and Mo Salah will prevail.
0: But it's just like, like, Russia's not good at soccer. And like, yes, like, Saudi is really not good at soccer. Russia's just not good at soccer. And, you know, beyond Salah, it's tough to really argue that Egypt's good at soccer. They have like El Neni. It's like, eh. Um, back, like, backup center back for Arsenal, but, you know, it's really going to be the Salah show. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not a guy... What's kind of tough is, like, like you look at, say, Luka Modric, and Croatia has a better cast around him than Egypt has around Salah, but if you're a center midfielder like Modric, you can go get the ball and really be involved in every attack. Mm-hmm. That's not really Salah's game. Salah is dangerous all the time, but he's not someone who's going to touch the ball every two minutes, like clockwork. Yeah. So the my worry for Egypt is, you know, if another team really brings a strong effort pressuring, can they get Salah the ball? But the counter to that is Salah's just world-class speed and kind of game sense to get open.
1: If they just start mashing balls at him, he's going to get a lot of them. And he can also create real looks when he gets swarmed with pressure. Like, there was a great moment in the Champions League final where, like... Salah, like, the ball was coming towards Salah in the middle of the field, and, like, three Real Madrid guys tried to step to him, and he one-touched it to Mane's foot on the break. Now, like, nobody on Egypt, on, nobody on Egypt is, is, like, a Sadio Mane stand-in. Nobody's even close. But, like, they have this guy, uh, Ramadan Sobi, who I saw. He plays for Stoke, which is not exactly the, not the biggest endorsement. But, like, that's a Premier League club-level player. He can he can make a run, and Salah will definitely get him the ball against the fucking Russian goon squad. So I didn't even think about
0: this. Um, is Ramadan going to be going on the the religious event? Not the guy. Going to be going um, on during the World Cup, and if so, I know Salah had been on record saying he wasn't fasting until yeah. I think I think until his teams were all out, but
1: yeah, no, I know that's a thing.
0: Yeah, so you think there's going to be players who are, like, trying to play? No. No way. I think they'd all... Impossible. Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, like, you could maybe play baseball. (laughs) (laughs) I think, actually, I think Hakeem Olajuwon played some basketball games while fasting. Don't quote me on that, but I think that was a thing.
1: Um, there There is a religious practice where you can, like, tack on Ramadan days to the end of the month. Yeah. Or like a, and you can sort of keep your fast going, uh, if you if you need to break it for like travel or for, you know, I guess in, in, in the case of a FIFA World Cup. But
0: I well I just yeah. feel like, you know, obviously Salah is such an important beacon in the Muslim community right now and then yeah. the rest of the Egypt players, you know, especially as they orbit Salah, but then also just as Egypt players are now too. So, you know, I I think that's very understandable. Uh, time-to-break tradition. hmm Um, all right, so that's how we have group A. Let's keep moving. Group Great. B, <clears throat> Spain, Portugal, Morocco, Iran. Um, Spain and Portugal are both substantially better than Morocco and Iran. Um, Spain is substantially better than Portugal. I have Spain 1, Portugal 2 in this group. Absolutely. Okay. Um, don't need to spill too much ink here, right?
1: Um, I don't know. I'd, lo- I'd love to do a deep dive on either of these teams, but we could save it for when they we'll reach. save that for the, the matchup. Okay. Matchup round. Cool.
0: Um, Group C, moving on. France, Australia, Peru, Denmark. I have France 1, Denmark 2. You had Peru 2 with France, France. 1. Indeed. Um we'll save our France discussion for the first round cuz both of us uh we have them facing different teams but with similar outcomes. Yeah. Um Denmark, so I'll be honest, when it comes to these kind of mid-level teams, I tend to gravitate toward the ones with some world-class talent. Yeah. Um, just because, A, I don't I don't I don't have a Peru take. I don't have a Denmark take. I have a Christian Harrison take, and I have a no-one-on-Peru-is-good-enough-for-me-to-know-them take. Yeah. So that's kind of how I end up with Denmark. Um, but, you know, there's also the fact that I think South America qualification beyond um, Argentina and Brazil, and
1: really Central America, too. Like, there's just not a lot of, like wow, these teams are awesome. You know what I mean? See, I actually I actually take the opposite view on that because I think that Europe ends up getting diluted because you have so many teams like Luxembourg, although randomly uh, somebody drew with them when they shouldn't have. I think it was France. But, like, you have teams like Luxembourg and Estonia and Israel and, like, just, and Liechtenstein. Like, Israel plays in Europe? Yeah, I know. It's It's... It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I'm I'm not gonna touch it now, but oh, it's a thing, dude. It's, okay. it's a thing. So Israel Israel plays in Europe, but like, is that just like the other countries in the Middle East don't want to play them? Is that the
0: thing? Or is it like a security issue? There's,
1: I is there a way you could talk about this that's not five minutes long? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that. I mean, Israel also plays in sort of like the European basketball competitions with Maccabee Tel Aviv and their, and their stuff. There's, it's my understanding that Israel wants to be a part of that scene and that scene as in like high powered European sports Mm -hmm. and view, like they want Tel Aviv and Jerusalem to be viewed the same way you would talk about Rome or Paris or whatever. And you know, they like Israel. In in some places, self identifies as a Middle Eastern place, and in others, it it seems like there's there's a desire, there's a yearning to be identified more with Europe. Um, um, there there is an economic argument to be made for that being really smart, sure. Record and and there's also, I mean, there, there's a lot more money
0: in the Europe tournaments than in the Middle Eastern tournaments. I'd assume.
1: Yeah, and there's a whole like, um, you know european like like a lot of the citizens are like very much identify as like the ashkenazi jews who all came from eastern europe or western europe like you know there's a sense of like identifying with that region um in ways that they don't with like the middle east but you know there's there's also like darker sides to it which i which i don't really want to touch here but but i think are, are worth talking about maybe at some point in the future okay all right. um well, but anyway anyway that diversion beyond yeah why'd you pick so, Peru well so you you said that the that like South America doesn't have a lot of teams that jump out at you yes but they all play in one qualification group so like Peru Argentina um Brazil Uruguay uh Colombia all play like like Brazil like uh Bolivia's in there um and there's one more other team who I'm who's not coming to my brain who is good Chile Chile is good and so like they don't they don't waste their time playing Estonia or Liechtenstein so like the fact that Peru like was very steady and good throughout that qualification and like stared down teams like Argentina and Brazil leads me to think that they have some chops that you don't get from beating up on Liechtenstein so like yes they don't have the, like a player like Christian Eriksen who I think is probably the best player uh, in the group besides... Pogba, Griezmann. Yeah. So it's like besides the long list of French players. The like long list of French players. So, like, respect. And I do think that, like, that Denmark-Peru game is going to be excellent. I by no means think this is, like, uh, a home run. Peru easily advances. I think it'll be a dogfight. But my money's on Peru... And I also really like the story of the team, like their captain. I don't know if you heard this. His name is Paulo Guerrero. He was suspended by FIFA for a year uh, because he tested positive for Coke. And his excuse was that he didn't I know. Don't
0: test positive for Coke? He it didn't. goes
1: out of your system in a day. <laughs> he he said, must have taken it the day he was getting tested. <laughs> he, said, he said that it was, he, mist- he mistakenly drank a strange <laughs> cup of tea that, that he says was laced. <laughs> but like it's also sort oh of like God. my friend charles made this point to me this morning like who gives a fuck if he's on coke like it it's yeah. like what's he just gonna be like sweating a little bit more or like a little more wired in his eyes like yeah the ones the ones that aren't performance enhancing to me like they shouldn't
0: suspend you for it. like if someone tests positive for marijuana they get suspended it's like it's just
1: some like big brother stuff like it, that doesn't yeah. make you better at anything yeah or anything sports related absolutely but he's he's cleared he's gonna play it's exciting um that's hilarious i so when the way with the way like the groups break down when you have kind of a
0: a team we think is way the best like France a team that sucks like Australia, and then two teams that are fighting for that second spot is you're looking at okay, can both these teams beat Australia probably yes, yeah, if one of them ties them, they're in a really bad spot yes um can either of these teams eke out a tie against France?
1: I don't think so. I think that yeah. Well, France France can fold like a like a chair. I mean they <laughs> they can mutiny like a chair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they can they can blackmail like a chair. Mutiny jokes are. I still can't believe they mutinied. How long ago was that? That was in South Africa. They literally staged a mutiny. I. That's everything I ever wanted from French football was a literal mutiny. <laughs> um, anyway. I look at that, I I think, yeah, anyone could catch France on the wrong day. I don't think either team is more likely to. Um, I think both of them should beat Australia, although when you're a team with more kind of oomph, like I would say Denmark has, mm-hmm. over maybe a steady team like Peru, I'd worry more about Peru drawing Australia. And then, you know, in a heads-up match, they're pretty even, but when it's literally like, I don't know, I just don't... I'm not looking at these teams and feeling like I'm particularly scared of peru against denmark or i think peru is a substantial advantage over australia mm-hmm. um but we gotta keep yeah. keep going on uh group d argentina iceland croatia nigeria um you have argentina one croatia two i have croatia one argentina two um with all due respect to iceland and nigeria iceland had a nice run i think in the euros yeah. Um but I like that was like an awesome run for what their team kind of has to offer. Yeah. I I think against teams like Argentina and Croatia they're just gonna be overmatched. Um and then Nigeria it is a really big sport there, soccer. Mm-hmm. Um I just I this is a tough group. You you catch them in group A, I might pick them over in Egypt. You catch them in group C, I would think about them over Denmark. I'm not thinking about them over Croatia or Argentina.
1: Yeah. I mean, they've got some dudes who can ball. Like Victor Moses from Chelsea is on Nigeria. That guy Iwobi from Arsenal is on Nigeria. Um So like they they've got some dudes. But yeah, I just I just didn't see it when I was when I was looking at them in this in this group.
0: I think the thing we should talk about this group is me having Croatia 1. Because I think most people will have Argentina one over Croatia. Sure.
1: I mean, you don't you don't really need to sell me on Croatia being excellent or on Argentina being flaky. So we could just like I I, I could totally see that happening. So we could just push that to to the elimination. Well,
0: round. I I just want to make this point about Argentina now. Um, okay. Well, first of all, with as far as Croatia goes, I like them. Uh huh. I would pick a lot of teams over Argentina here. Um. Argentina got into this tournament by the skin of their teeth. It's just like, with Argentina, Messi is the best player alive, full stop, in my opinion. Um, but, and they have all these other world-class players. Iguain, Diabala, Aguero. Um, I wouldn't call Mascherano a world-class, but he's very good. Um, Di Maria's good. Di Maria's good, but A... Although, I don't think Ma-
1: yeah, Mascherano is going to
0: play. A, like, those guys don't line up well. <laughs> They're all, like, forwards. <laughs> But B, and more importantly, I think Argentina struggles with how their country has always played and the talents they have. It's this clash between what I was talking about earlier with team personality Mm -hmm. versus like, okay, what literally can these players do? And Messi, as much as he's Argentinian, almost plays Spanish. Um, Like, basically grew up there, right? Yeah, he moved there when he was like six or seven to go play for, for Barcelona. But it's... It's like I just think if if you want to build a team around Messi with all these attacking talents, you should be playing like this beautiful, spread out, possession oriented, super dangerous game. And I think the way Argentina wants to play is chop it up, hard fouls, yeah. <laughs> and and that's kind of how they played before Messi got there. And if you like talk to their fan base, I mean, this is um, me speculating about the Argentinian people, so. <sighs> Not going to be super accurate, but the stories you read and the kind of third hand stories you hear is, you know, Maradona is still adored in that country, and Maradona won the World Cup and Messi hasn't. Mm -hmm. And I think there is some some gripe there. So I, I just, as much as I think Messi's the best player in the world and as much as they have all this talent, I've never seen them use it in a style that best maximizes Messi. And it always feels like Messi is running through just a thicket of bramble to get anywhere yeah. he wants
1: to go on this team. And you're right. They barely qualified. Barely. Well, so I think that, I think that what makes Argentina really interesting, I think that for me, Argentina has the highest, is the highest ceiling, lowest floor team in this tournament because they actually have some young dudes who are coming into their own. And I think that this team is actually more dangerous now than they were when they got all the way to the final four years ago, because Diabala, for example, is way better than than basically you know anyone who was on that team like Iguain and Aguero. Iguain's still nice. Well, yeah, like they, I think that Iguain and Aguero might have been slightly better four years ago, but are still filthy now. And they do have some guys who are up and coming. So like they have this guy Giovanni Lo... Kelso, I think is how you pronounce it, who just started making it onto the team at PSG. And everybody really likes him. He's sort of a silky midfield player. They've got this guy, Maximiliano Meza, who's been killing it for Inter Milan this year. And um, also they have this guy who's kind of an older Argentina player, but has had a very successful campaign with Sevilla, Ever Ben Benega? Oh, Benega. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's good. So like he's, he's, he was a part of that great Sevilla run these past two years. So like I, they have a lot of talent and they're a prodigious football country. Yes. So I, I feel like if the, if these pieces break right for them, and like I said earlier, Fazio, like Fazio gave Messi the business when, when Barcelona came to Roma this year and they kicked him out of the Champions League. Like Fazio's Got some talent. He's not a bad player. No, not at all. And, like, the same with Otamendi, although I think that the, the, one of the most frustrating things I've seen all year was watching Sadio Mane run circles around Otamendi uh, for Liverpool and Man City, respectively, this year. So they both are, are not perfect and could easily get, like, their, you know, get run around by a fast team, but, like... Yeah, I think holding 80% of the ball really makes your defenders look good. Yeah. <laughs> but so I just I, I just think that this like there's a case to be made that this is the most talent Argentina has had in the Messi era. Um or like the Messi as like the star of the world era.
0: There's, which is really the
1: last two World Cups. I think there's a lot of parallels
0: between um Messi and LeBron. Sure. And you know, as you kind of get to we'll do a little final stuff, I'll make you talk about a little bit. Um as we get to the end of LeBron's prime, even though it's nowhere near in sight, he like he knows that at some point he literally can't be the best player in the world forever. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of almost amplified for Messi because you can age in dog years in soccer, A, and B, this is his last World Cup. This is a guy who's accomplished everything he could possibly want to accomplish personally with four Balando Oros and for his club, with how good Barcelona's been the last twelve years. This is the last thing he can possibly. This is the last hole in his trophy case. Is a World Cup, and in four years, he might not be one of the three best players in the world. He might not be one of the twenty best players in the world. I hope he is. He really could be, and I think he has the potential to have a long sort of second prime as a center midfielder. But with Messi, like you just you never know when it's going to go, mm-hmm. and this right now might be his last
1: shot. Sure. So I mean I I'm I'm super cheering for this team. Like regardless of where we see them, you know, getting eliminated or whatever, I cuz as a as a huge Messi fan, I I hope that they go far.
0: Me too. So. All right, let's move on to group E. I have Brazil 1, oh it's Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, Serbia. I have Brazil 1, Serbia 2. You have Brazil 1, Serbia 2.
1: Yeah. So, this was This was really interesting for me. There's not a
0: ton to say here, right? Well. Did
1: you have a serious thought of Switzerland over Serbia? I did. Well, I think that that's what a lot of people are picking. I don't think that Serbia is a popular pick. Oh. Um, So Switzerland, for context, is ranked sixth in the world by FIFA, which is (laughs) asinine, admittedly. But, like, this is a team that really mucks up the field like plays a very, like has a good national style of packed in D they've got a, a, you know, a bunch of like German and um, English players on the roster. So like, um, so like a few who come to mind are Lichtensteiner who plays for Juve, um, Michael Lang who played so well for FC Basel in their champions league run. Um, Ricardo Rodriguez plays for Milan. He's Dick Steiner,
0: these... Shakiri Jaka.
1: Yeah, well, Jaka I hate. Um... <laughs> if, you, if you want a
0: ten-word answer on why I am not picking them, it's because Granite Jaka is their, like, main playmaker. Is their number ten. No, he's their, like... <sighs> so, if you ever watch Arsenal play, which, this it's getting borderline masochistic to watch them play, like... They try and play this like super possessiony game and they plop Granite Jacka on the defensive center midfield all the time. And like he's he's not good at anything beyond 35-yard shooting in in soccer. And to me that's the worst skill. That's like being great at shooting 20-footers in basketball. Like there's such low probability propositions anyway that shooting them 2% better than someone else like I don't want that shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, the idea that they're just going to be like, all right, we've got this, you know, awesome, you know, England star Granite Xhaka is going to playmate for us. That just frustrates me so much because he doesn't pick good passes. He's big, but he won't win anything in the air. He'll just blow off defensive assignments all the time. And, like, I would trade bad defense for great offense in defensive center midfield, but he's trying to play like Pirlo and he passes like Michael Bradley. It's just <laughs> brutal.
1: That's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that most people, I think that a lot of people are picking Switzerland because they have a track record of playing pretty well in this tournament. Um, and they do have a roster that is full of guys who are starting in English and German leagues. I mean, we should mention Shaqiri for a
0: period of time was like the third best winger on Bayern and was a really good player. And then he was bought uh, by Stoke yeah in England, and he's like
1: solid, so yeah he's he's a good player, but I mean talk about like talk about like a like ridiculous qualifying, so like Switzerland beat teams like Hungary Andorra, Faroe Islands, Latvia, Faroe Islands, Andorra again, Hungary again, Latvia again, lost to Portugal, beat northern Ireland. that was their qualifying group, so like like yeah, they look like world beaters against those bums, but like you know, not to not to hit this Europe is diluted point over and over and over again, but like but here you go. Here we are. Anyway, um I do think Costa Rica's worth mentioning. Kayler Navas, I think is an amazing, amazing goalie. He's and playing
0: he's played so well recently too.
1: And it's kind of unreal that like Real Madrid keeps getting linked with De Gea. I mean it makes sense because De Gea is Spanish and they want somebody to come in and like Fill that eager role. It makes sense um, because anyone
0: who's the best at what they do in the world is going to get linked to Real. Yeah. But like, they're not it's crazy
1: because Kaylor Navas is an excellent goalie. Like, he made some saves against Bayern that were spectacular. They were. So, but like, and Teja
0: is the best goalie in the world.
1: Yeah. And I don't, that's not the argument I want to make. All that I'm trying to say is that Costa Rica did well at the last World Cup because Kaylor Navas, and this is what got him on the international scene anyway um basically pulled a rabbit out the hat and i think you know i'm not i'm not predicting costa rica to advance as we said we're picking serbia but um i think that coast there's a path forward where costa rica concedes like one goal in both the switzerland and serbia game and can eke through but
0: yeah i mean that would make me really happy i spent some time in costa rica and i love the ticos but um i just don't think they have it yeah um I mean we're we'll talk more about Brazil because they're gonna make runs in both of our brackets later. Um, I guess for me with Serbia, I I kind of see them locking these games up. And if I had to pick the team that had the best chance of tying Brazil, I would pick Serbia. Yes. And I just think there's a real chance between Matic, who's Arguably the best, one of the best defensive center midfielders in the world. Yes. Um no doubt. and then, you know, kind of some guys who played in Europe along their back line,
1: Kolarov, Ivanovich. Um well let's let's shout out um Sergej Milankovic savich which is a which is a fantastic name. Uh but so this is the guy sure it's not Sergey. It could be Sergey, and I could just pronounce things. <laughs> <Sergej>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alright, well tell me tell me about Sergej. I don't know anything well, about Sergej. So he's he's have you been hearing whispers about Lazio this year? Uh, no. So basically in the, like the Italian league was actually interesting this year because Juve was not as powerful. Inter and AC Milan had spent, you know, King's ransoms to be competitive again. And Napoli has had this like excellent run of, you know, of good soccer for the past All right, you know, couple of years. We need to talk about these teams though. Okay. We're, so wrap it up. Okay. Uh, so to, to to cut a long story short, Roma and Lazio spoiled the party and were all up in everybody's business all year. And Roma was really good last year, too. But Lazio um, made this big run, and they really didn't have a lot of star power except for this guy, um, Sergey, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> and now he's being linked to um, a bunch of teams, and the asking price is £100 million. Wow. So he's... He's a solid player. So they're trying to keep him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving
0: on. So he's going to be trying to get paid. Awesome. Maybe he'll be the emerging star. Could be. Uh, we could have many. Group F, Germany, Mexico, Sweden, Korea, South Korea. I have Germany 1, Mexico 2. Um, you have Germany 1, Mexico 2, right? Or did uh, you take South Korea? In I there? took
1: South Korea just for fun. Um. I think that this is another group that I don't really have a good feel I for. I mean, it.
0: whoever comes in second in this group is going to get steamrolled by Brazil in my opinion. Yeah. So,
1: my my feeling was that um was that Son from Tottenham Hotspur was the best player in this group uh, who's Outside not on Germany. Germany. And then that's that's really something and then there's a guy Wang Kechan who's on uh, Red Bull Salzburg. I think that's an Austrian team, but like, there's talk that he's going to be a $40 million transfer to a league this year. So my thought was just that South Korea's got some exciting attacking talent. They're a team that, you know, I think what's cool about the Asian teams is that so many of them are close. They, they play together a lot. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I think they're going to have a good style and have interesting attacking pieces.
0: I agree with you that Sun's better than anyone on Mexico. I mean, washed up Zlat might be better on Sweden. Although, is he even going to play? no. He's out? He's out. Yeah, even with, I, when I thought he was playing, I thought he was a little too washed. Once you go to the MLS, you're a little too washed, yeah. just in general. Yeah. Um, I I just kind of like the way Mexico play. Um, when I'm really pissed at U.S. soccer, I'll pull for Mexico against the U.S. because they actually oh, you, play soccer. you mentioned
1: them. Damn it.
0: Oh, yeah, we tried to make it. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, I was... I was. We were close. We made it 40 minutes. Um, Shit. Anyway, I like the way Mexico plays. Um... So I think they'll knock the ball the best of them, Sweden, Korea. Uh, So I put them second. Cool. Uh, Moving on. Group G. Uh, I've got England 1. Or sorry. It's Belgium, Panama, Tunisia, England. I've got England 1, Belgium 2. I've got Belgium 1, England 2.
1: A team that is so, like like, hyper-analyzed by their media, like, carrying just, like, all of this weight of anguish from, like, years and years and years of failure, which is particularly interesting because I think that the reason why those losses feel so heavy is because it mirrors, like, the loss of their empire. Like, they were supposed to be... (laughs) I know, this is true. They were supposed to be winning these World Cups against all of the, like, you know, uh, brown people that they had been conquering militarily and when they started to you know lose the empire and lose all of these soccer games i think that it you know absolutely threw their national psyche through the loop but anyway i think that they're they're carrying way too much weight and even though i like their players individually and i think that they will get out of this group i think that belgium is just an infinitely better team with infinitely less uh baggage so i agree with you that like
0: And I think Belgium, most people will pick Belgium one in this group. On England, well, let's just agree, first of all, it's those two over Panama-Tunisia. Yeah, Panama-Tunisia, I have nothing to say. So, with England, I I feel like the English, like, zeitgeist and general persona is just so, like, sarcastic and self-deprecating and, like, woe is upon us (laughs) like... But, like, when they start doing bad, like, no fan base would get as tense and negative as the England fan base. Yeah. They're, um,
1: they're, um, their id is pretty dark, you could say. So,
0: like, so like, you know, I feel that. And, you know, I think the last couple years, when they just eat through their groups and lose in the round of 16 in penalty shootouts or whatever they did, um, the last couple of tournaments, you know, you see this coming, right? And yeah. you, you kind of feel it before it happens. But... I think this England team is really going to have a different vibe to it uh, because it's no longer built around bummish-ass Wayne Rooney, first of all. yeah, And, you know, last World Cup, I think we were in the stage of Rooney's career where he still thought he was one of the five best players in the world, and some English people tricked themselves into thinking that, but he really wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look at this English team, I think even from the last Euro tournament, We've gone from "Hey, Harry Kane is pretty good" to "Holy shit, it's Harry Kane!" All right, guy, <laughs> and I love Harry Kane. I I just I do. And if you ever wanted someone on your team that you just totally trust to show up in a big
1: moment, don't say Harry Kane. I'd say Harry Kane. Oh no, why? Well, just like Tottenham never gets shit done. Like they they Nick, they always what come they so achieve close, for their dollar value they lose. is insane. Yeah, I'm I know. I just I just don't I'm not ready to crown anybody on the Spurs big time player. So it's like they they beat Real Madrid once in in a Champions League group stage and that's sort of the highlight of their season for me. I
0: think with them it's it's so tough to play the English schedule with a thin team.
1: Yeah. And True. that's what they
0: have. True. And luckily for them, they all got knocked out of the Champions League early, so they're fresh. <laughs> um, but, I mean, talk about people being crowned before they're ready. Belgium, I was so ready to short or hedge against Belgium kind of pride in this tournament. Like, I love Kevin De Bruyne. Lukaku's really solid. Eden Hazard's a crazy good talent. Dries 10's lit up Italy. Blah, 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 blah. They're already being called the golden generation for Belgium when they've won one game out of the group stage, and it was against the fucking dog shit, (laughs) give up 17 shots and blow the poach goal at the end US team. Yeah. And you know what? I'm just not afraid of Belgium yet. I'm really not. I'm I'm ready for the light up Panama and Tunisia, and we'll see how they play against England. And I'm just like, I think with any sport that gets really hyped and... There's perhaps no more hype tournament in the World Cup. Teams that are up and coming get overvalued past where they're actually at. Everyone's like, hey, you know who's actually kind of good? Belgium. Eh, Belgium. Belgium. And all of a sudden, they're like the sixth best team in the world according to odds makers. Yeah. And I just... Beware of the team that everyone says is going to make a move. Yeah. When they haven't shown it yet.
1: For real. And, you know, something, something interesting, you said the buzzword golden generation. Something that I love from my... Uh, from one of the soccer podcasts I listen to, which I won't name because I don't want to detract from your listening base.
0: But yeah, you can't have
1: them pillaging my, yeah. uh, my exactly. substantial soccer exactly. coverage. So, um, but there's there's an Irishman who has a great, like like someone was making this exact point about Belgium, and he said, well, when you have a golden generation, what that most likely means is that they've failed to win anything at all. <laughs> and you're just remembering the past <laughs> with a little bit of a rosy glow. <laughs> which I thought was That's excellent. a fucking excellent one. That's
0: great. I, I think this also comes down to, I mean, teams, soccer's a big chemistry sport. And usually in the World Cup, there's either just a couple or one star that the team just rallies around or the team really bands together and has a great time or some combination of the two. But every once in a while, there's a team where it's like, they don't They don't have to hate each other. It's just, like, everyone kind of thinks they're the best player on the field, and it's not totally clear who is, and it's a little awkward chemistry-wise. Yeah. And I think you could see that with Belgium here. Like, Hazard is definitely going to think he's the best player out there. So will KDB. De Bruyne should think he's the best player out there. Yeah. Mertens probably thinks he's the best player out there. Lukaku
1: thinks he's the best forward. Also, low-key, Mertens doesn't super play the wing. So, like, and that's going to be what he really has to do in this case. Yeah. So like... That's not right. And KDB actually talked shit about the coach. I think like a year ago and when they were showing not showing up to qualifying. I
0: can't think of more different identities to play with than how Hazard played, how Lukaku played, and how De Bruyne played this year. True, like they're all going to be trying to play a different style of soccer. True, um, but they do also you know pair those attacking talents with Thibaut Courtois in goal and this awesome defense with Compani and Vertonghen and. They have so much goddamn talent, it might not matter. Yeah. But I could just see an English team knowing exactly who they are and how they want to play, eking past it. Although if... Jesus Christ, if I have to cheer for James Milner again...
1: You're not. He's not. You didn't make the cut. He didn't
0: make the team?
1: No. Oh, let's go. Although, you know what's really funny? (laughs) Like, everybody in the English media... Everybody in the English media, when, when fucking Liverpool beat Man City, were, like, whispering about it, they're like well, you know, we should really try and talk Milner out of retirement. He was just so glorious in that game. Oh, God, that and makes... it's just like, uh, I mean, the the one of my favorite tweets of all time was get you someone who loves you the way old English commentators love James Milner. If you Cause... want
0: someone to be unathletic link uninspiring passes and pull up from fifty yards once a
1: game, it's James Milner. <laughs> you <laughs> I know I just don't need him at all anywhere near my team. I think that the most depressing moment besides the Salah injury of the Champions League final was when Milner tried to cross three separate times in the like 87th minute, like three literally three times in one minute, and each time was blocked. <laughs> like he, he, like, would try, get blocked, find the ball, try again, get blocked. He, he sucks ass. I was so upset. He, like, had such a nice assist total this year.
0: I was like, dude, it's just because you're playing this awesome offensive style with Salah. It's like, fuck yeah. you. Anyway. Right, talk about group H? Group H. Um,
1: yeah, so I have Columbia 1, Poland 2. Yeah. That's I don't want to spend any more time on that. I mean I think it, I think it's worth saying that that Senegal is exciting like Sadio Mane is exciting Sadio Mane is Senegal. exciting. Well they got this guy uh Koulibaly who plays for Napoli who's good um and they do have this guy uh Balde who's a Monaco player uh and a former Barca academy project project who people think is really good. So Senegal could surprise And of course, Japan um, seems to have a good showing in this tournament every time they're in it. Um, That guy Kagawa is like a superstar uh, on Dortmund. Superstar strong. Well, he's a star on Dortmund. He's fine. (laughs) Okay, sure. Whatever you (laughs) want to say.
0: I like Poland. Um, I do too. I, I think Lewandowski is on the short list of best strikers in the world every year, and they have a surprising when you look through their roster a surprising amount of solid players there yeah
1: there's a guy uh peter zielinski who's a who's a big player for napoli um they've got another guy who I liked I wrote down his name uh their their guy who kind of holds down their defense is this name is this guy named Glick who plays for Monaco oh man this name is gonna test me um I'm going to spell it out. It's P I S Z C P C Yeah. Okay, great. There you go. Lucas Peace And he plays for Dortmund. And he's good. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh,
0: we we both have Columbia 1. Uh, Colombia 1 is a pretty easy choice for me because, you know, they've got James, who kind of had some real nice form at the end of the club season. Um, Falcao, Quadrado, just... It just feels like they are going to have the most talent and the most depth of talent in this group, and with the way they can knock the ball around, should be the best team out there. Yeah. Um, All right, but let's go to the knockout round. So because we had a couple of differences uh, in our group stage, our seedings are going to be slightly different, Um, but whenever they're different, we'll just each give our own picks. Um, So starting at the left side, we get Uruguay-Portugal. Mm -hmm. Um, and both of us at Uruguay going through, uh, Portugal coming off a Euro win. So defending champs of sorts. Uh, but just feels like for me, Cavani plus Suarez greater than Ronaldo. And I've never loved the Portugal team. I thought they made a really inspired run in the Euros, um, and then kind of held it down when Ronaldo went out. But, you know, Pepe has not gotten any better. Um, Nani just keeps kind of disappearing a little bit more and more each year. Um, and, you know, I love Ronaldo, but but I've been on record criticizing his game, saying he's much more now of a—criticize is a well, criticize the strong word— he's much more now of, like, a forward-forward than someone you I would expect to, like, kickstart some offense. Um, and then with Uruguay, you know, I just think top to bottom, a little more talented. you got Gurdin to kind of—not knowing man marks in soccer, but they have a really competent center back who can hang with— Ronaldo, and you know as well as anyone, maybe, and uh, you know just Suarez Cavani. That's what I come back to. Um, similar thoughts for you with Uruguay?
1: Yeah, I I just like their team. Uh, I think that they've got, I think that the, the people have more solidified roles. They've got young players that I like. I mentioned Nendez. They've got um, they've got this cool guy Federico Valverde, who's a midfielder up and comer. He's in the Real Madrid. Uh, system, but he's out on loan, God knows where. What I'll say about Portugal is that I really like um, Bernardo Silva because he's a Man City guy, and he is very exciting and played well in in the qualifying. So I hope for good things for him. Uh, I do like that guy, Andre Silva, who was a big part of AC Milan's attack. So I think that Portugal is going to be an exciting team. Um, Yeah, but like you said, I just... I just don't see it. I, I think I think Uruguay's got got more punch.
0: Yeah, and I kind of feel like, I mean, it's not going to be how Ronaldo thinks, but he's kind of done it for Portugal at this point, winning the Euro. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be expected to win the World Cup. Yeah. Um, okay, so that moves us on to, I have France-Argentina, because I had Croatia over Argentina. You have France-Croatia. Um, we and both have. each of us have France bowing out. Yeah. Um as much as I criticized Argentina for never building around Messi, I do think, especially after I project them to falter and come second in the group, you're gonna get kind of this special this is our last chance Argentina run to start it. And you well, know, let's what, talk shit about France. That's Sorry. why are you that's what I was winding up to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I'm
1: just I'm eager to do it. So yeah. Let's do
0: it. So France, like I mean, if you like if you're playing FIFA they're one of the best teams out there. Like they have these great players. Yeah. Um I just I don't think they've figured out how to turn all these players into a coherent team that scares me. Yes. And you know, I think Griezmann it, it's kind of what I was talking about with um uh Belgium. I think Griezmann plays a much different style of soccer than say you know, Matuidi does, then say Pogba, then say, you know, Douglas Costa. I just think these guys are all very spread out and don't really play with each other. Um, And, you know, I think think you might get a situation here where it's going to really be Pogba's team, and Pogba's going to be like, this is my team and my time to shine. And I don't really trust Pogba in that way yet. He's an awesome talent who when he shows up, shows up really hard, and he can do everything in soccer well, but game-to-game, consistency, I don't feel his presence the way I feel other top players in the world.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that what's going to be interesting about France is that they're so steady down the middle, like Conte, Matuidi, Mat- Matuidi um, Samuel Umtiti, and Raphael Veran. Uh So, like, Umtiti and Veron play for Barca and Real Madrid, respectively. Like, that's a lot of solid... Defense right in the middle of the field, and I love Ben Mendy out on the uh, you know out at right back or left back. I forget which one he plays these days. So he was he was a very exciting part of Man City before he tore his ACL. I I don't love him this tournament. He looked really friggin' rusty when he played a little bit this year. Yeah, well, I mean, he's coming back from an ACL tear. I don't think he's gonna be fully ready. I don't even think he might not start, dude. Yeah. So, but I just I just worry that like so like Dembele. I don't fully trust Oliver Giroud. I think should Olivier. <laughs> Olivier Giroud. No, I say no one in
0: France is named Oliver.
1: Whoops, I'm sorry. I just I just I I knew it was Olivia <laughs> okay. sort of Giroud. Giroud and Mbappe. I think just like I I don't think they have any idea what to do with these guys.
0: I, so. so yeah. I don't know how you play. Giroud on this lineup, like I think if you play Giroud, he has to be the lone forward. I thought what Chelsea did with Giroud and Morata was insane when they play together. Yeah. Um. Nice. So if you're gonna play Giroud, then you're pushing Griezmann to wing basically, or you go two forwards and then where does Mbappe go? So it's it's kind of this this mishmash of styles with the the guys they have up top. I I think what I'd want to do is build it around. First of all, that defensive core you talked about with Matuidi, Conte, and then Pugba center attacking mid. Like, a lot of people theorize that part of why Pugba was so inconsistent is that uh, Mourinho had him way too far back the yes, field and was definitely. kind of really making him play to his weaknesses, uh, which is the criticism of Mourinho is that he has one style and can't really adapt to his players,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which I'd buy. And this is a great chance for Pugba to say, hey, like, you know, I'm I'm world-class. Like, watch this. Yep. And France are a better collection of players than Argentina. And that's usually what Argentina falls back on. So that's a little scary for them. Yeah. I This is just an emotional pick for me. I just don't... I think Argentina is going to get this feeling like, my God, this is the last chance we have. Yeah. And I just think they're going to come out with more urgency than a French team that might come out and say, we're better than this team. We'll be fine.
1: Sure. Uh, do you want me to give my argument for why I think Croatia could beat France too? Yeah,
0: that I probably would have picked France over Croatia for the record.
1: I I just think that Croatia just makes a lot of sense together on the on the field, and I feel like they're gonna they're gonna do everything that they need to do. So like, I just think that Rakitic and Modric in the middle. So first of all, I think that Modric individually is better than anyone on the France team. I'm I'm pretty comfortable making that statement. I think he's better than Griezmann. I think he's better than Pogba. Um, I think he's just so steady and Mandzukic for all of his, you know, imperfections is a good player who can put the ball in the back of the net. And you want to hear a funny Mandzukic story, which I, which I came across. What? So Mandzukic, um, got this tattoo or wanted to get this tattoo on his back that said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but he wanted it written in Hebrew and he, like, his tattoo artist, like, didn't really know how to write in Hebrew. Yeah. So it ends up saying, uh, if it's not to kill me, it will make me stronger. But kicker is, the tattoo artist didn't know that Hebrew was written right to left, not <laughs> left to right. So it's, like, pure gobbledygook. So, like, so Manzuka just got this gibberish Hebrew tattoo all over his back. <laughs> Um, That's so great. Come yeah, on, Mario. So it's stories like that that makes me want to pick this Crow team. And I just, I don't know, I, I, I feel a similar way about France as you feel about Belgium. Just a lot of smoke being blown up the ass. And, like, Croatia's just been here before. They got a bunch of guys who are professional. I, I, I just, so I, I buy what you're saying. I think the talent
0: gap is too profound. Could be. I just think you're going to have, <laughs> if they roll out, like, a Griezmann and Bappe, um you know, name a person on the left wing. Dembele, maybe. Dembele, front three. And they'd put Pogba, Matuidi, Conte, and then it's like Varane. uh, Um Umtiti. Umtiti, like, back, back. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, Hugo Like, that's just,
1: those guys are all
0: really, really good at soccer. Whereas on Croatia, you're going to have five to six players out there that would struggle to make the French national team. Yeah. Um, So that's... I'd I'd probably pick France for that reason. I just think you're going to get a special Argentina-feels-scared performance. performance. Um, And that's really just me betting on Messi, to be honest. Sure. Um, All right. On to Brazil, Mexico, which both of us have. Both of us are taking Brazil. Okay, yeah. Um, We should probably talk about Brazil now. Okay. Um, Cool. So I think... Everyone remembers last World Cup where they crumbled against Germany
1: in the semis. Yep. And for the was... record, can I just make a fun point what? that uh, at the camp that you and I both work at, there's still a chant 7 1 that was in reference to that match that is still happening today. <laughs> and a lot of the kids, like, especially the kids who are from. Uh, like, who are from different regions and don't have any idea what that's in reference to, will still join in enthusiastically. So it's just, that's one fun way that score has left its mark in the world. Um, So, everyone remembers that. But, first of all,
0: in that game, they were missing Neymar, who had just fractured his back, and Thiago Silva, who was the centerpiece of their defense, and took a profoundly stupid yellow the game before to get suspended. Yeah. So you're without your two best players and you're going against this german machine and but really the subtext of it was we talk about countries and how much they care about the world cup brazil might be the most like they like i read a player should be an article from marcelo about like painting the streets like like they get really into it and they expect to win every game and especially when they're hosting they expect to win every game mm-hmm. and to you know see them lose 7-1, they weren't that much worse. I just think they had all this stress about needing to play really well. And you you saw when they won games, guys would just be, like, crying, like, oh, my God, we didn't lose this round. They had all this stress about getting it done, and I think just once they fell down 2-0, it just snowballed. And it was just over. Like, the last five goals Germany scored were almost, like, tap-ins. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Well, I got to say, like, I think that, honestly... There was, a bit of a, there was a bit of a torch passing with Tiago with Silva. Um, yeah, he's not going to be a huge part of this team. I which I think is critical because I don't think that he, like, is clutch. Like, there was this, there was this story about him um, in the last, like, South American Cup or whatever that was where they were in a 16-penalty shootout against Chile and he, like, cried and didn't want to take the penalty kick. Because he was too afraid he was going to miss it. And, like, that's just some shit you can't come back from as, like, a captain. Yeah. But so, but what I like is that uh, someone else, like, Marquine, Marquinhos, Marquinhos, I think is, is how you pronounce it. Like, he's taking on that mantle of top center back. Al, Alisson, the uh, the goalie from Roma, uh, who's so good, is, is really going to hold things down. Well, so, for me, the key to this
0: team talking about actual soccer is, you know how the Brazilians like to play. Yeah. Marcelo's their left back, which basically means they play an extra left winger. And, you know, it, it may be Alves at right back, it may Alves be Felipe it, it may yeah. So they'll play whoever else they play. That guy will be up the field too. Yeah. So really what happens is I hope for their sake it's not Danilo. You either need to score like 3 goals a game or you need just brilliant center defense and midfielders, which they have and that's, to me, why I feel so comfortable sending Brazil a lot of rounds in this, mm-hmm. um, is they're going to be this dynamic offense with, and we can go through the attacking talents next, but for me, a Fernandinho-Casemiro combo in defensive center mid just so solidifies that center of the field defensively. Yeah. And you pair those guys with an offense that's going to be Neymar, Coutinho, uh, Gabriel Jesus, Willian, William. Douglas Costa... And Firmino. Firmino. Um, And you're just getting... You're going to get this onslaught.
1: Low-key, I would keep Gab Jesus on the bench to start and start Firmino. Because I feel like... I feel like Firmino's whole game is being almost like a false nine. Like a striker that makes things happen for his wings. And because Willian and Neymar are so dangerous, I almost feel like it's a better use of your time and talent to have somebody who will finish the Who will finish the easy tap-ins when he gets them, but will really know how to, like... Like, I think that playing with Mo Salah is good prep to play with Neymar. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you
0: treat those guys very similarly. Um, yeah. And Neymar's just going to chill on his left-wing spot, but be the farthest guy up the field. So that leaves Firmino a nice spot in the center um, to, to operate from, which yeah. is where he likes to be.
1: I'm worried that Neymar's going to... Well, first of all, that he... Is gonna just have too much pressure on his shoulders as he always does, but also that he is gonna be distracted by the bazillion rumors that seem to follow him everywhere. He's he's just past that. I think that dude
0: is so confident in his game.
1: There was a there was a clip of of Luka Modric in their recent friendly. Like they they traded jerseys, and the cameras or the the audio on the cameras caught Modric saying to Neymar. We're waiting for you. And I shit you not, like, the English tabloids, the Spanish tabloids, like, the French tabloids talked about it for a week.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's soccer, dude. Um, all right, so we both had Brazil rolling. Yeah. I have England-Poland, you have Belgium-Poland, you took Belgium to win, I took England to win. Poland's fine, I, I don't expect them to put up a lot of a fight. Nope. I think we should save some time there. Great. So the right side of the bracket, Spain over Egypt- I love you most a lot. It's just not going to be enough against Spain. Yep. Um, And then I have Croatia over Denmark. You have Argentina over Peru. Um, In both cases, I think there's a talent gap. Croatia-Denmark is not terribly profound, but it's still there. Um, And I don't think those are teams that I think can win the title. So I'm not going to spend too much time on that either. Um, Germany-Serbia. Germany. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> not kind of enough upset, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm actually more down on Germany than most. All right. Let's do our Germany chat now, then. Sure. Well, so first of all, I love Jurgi Lowe. I, he's, he's like, one of my favorite figures in soccer.
0: I think leaving Sonny off the roster puts you in Muppet status, in my opinion.
1: It really does. I think that that's a super, like... I, I hope for his sake, because I enjoy him so much... That it doesn't end up coming to bite him in the ass, and I feel like it almost will.
0: People are talking about him taking over the Real job. Like he's an esteemed coach.
1: Yeah, that'd be fascinating. Didn't Zidane Dan retire. Yeah, that he's one not almost retired. that one almost slipped past my radar. Like, what a fucking weird story that is. No, I loved it. I fully endorse it. Well, it is it is like a total MJ thing to do. Well, like, it's, yeah, it's like you win, win three Champions Leagues back row. to back to
0: back. He, I mean, he basically spent this whole year on the hot seat until his team won the Champions League. Yeah. So, like, that's just a real job. It's like, you get fired unless you win La Liga and go deep in Champions League or win the Champions League and go deep in yeah. La Liga. And if you win neither, you're out. And, like, it's just insane. And I think even when he got the job, a lot of people were snickering about, like, he doesn't know tactics, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he just had this masterful command of who to play when... And how to reach his stars and his team. And it worked. It was kind of Phil Jackson-esque in that way. And I think to come back for a fourth year, I just I don't see how he could have summoned the same motivation out of his players. And he wasn't gonna outthink the other coaches in the leagues. Yeah. Um and I just, you know, I think it was the perfect move to retire then. Leave them wanting more, leave on top.
1: Yeah. And I could I could see him snatching a cushy France job once yeah. this you know, he's I now forget this coach's name, but yeah, he's
0: now on the A list of any job in the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he waits till he gets fired at Real next year, which would have happened unless he won both league and the Champions League, yeah, then you're in a tougher spot.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so uh, much love to Yergi Low. Hope that the Sane omission doesn't come up to come back to bite him in the ass. Um, I personally like, with all of my love for Sane as a Manchester City fan, he did not. You know, he did not really impress me in the big games, particularly in the Champions League matches. Like, Sané cuts in from the left wing and shoots like a like a demigod, but finds the back of the net against a team like Stoke, but doesn't seem to find the back of the net against quality competition.
0: See, I, this is where I just don't like this narrative. I think he had a bad game in a Champions League game, and I think your team lost. And
1: I'm and- bitter.
0: And, yeah, but the dude played, what, 42 games for you this year? He played yeah. bad a couple of the, like a couple, couple? Times. Yeah. He's also 20. Like, yeah. he's not going to be great every game. No one is. True. And to me, the danger he offers and how well he plays in the Man City system that's similar to how the Germans want to play, they want to make really smart, decisive passes that keep the ball, that move it. Mm-hmm. At, I think Pep style, everyone kind of lumps Pep in with Spain. Spain's a little too, I think you, what is his book
1: called? Masturbatory for Pep. Like yeah. Pep wants things like moving a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, Pep is famous for saying that the tiki-taka is masturbatory. The the kicking it like from your right back to your, or from your left back to your right back oh. via the center backs is like the biggest waste of time and energy you can do. Yeah. So
0: like... I just think that would have been a really seamless fit for Sané. I think you've got brilliant passers there. And the way he comboed with David Silva was just incredible to me. Yeah. I I was really sad and frustrated to see him left off, especially with a German roster that might have been better four years ago and might have been better two years ago. Yes. And I've never been a big Tony Cruz fan. Um, But, you know, he's solid. But then, like, I don't know. I, I mean, Mueller's always good. Obviously they'll be solid defensively. Obviously they'll have Manuel Neuer in goal.
1: But but actually Manuel Neuer, I mean he's he he like breaks his foot every eight months. Like I mean I think he's supposed to be healthy right now, but like he couldn't even play in the Champions League. Like they they had to have that doofus who had the ball slide through his like slide under his body. So like I don't know. I I'm not. I think if Manuel Neuer had played a full season for Bayern and was himself, I would feel slightly different about this team. But Neuer, I think, is a bigger question mark than something to really count on. And so, like you said, um, like Hummels and Boateng like, were better four years ago definitively. But they're still awesome. Like, they're I'm still not worried awesome. about their defense at all. And I do like Kimmich a lot. I think he's going to be steady.
0: And um, but, you, know, you get into their midfield, and it's like, okay, Cruz is incredible. Royce, I'm excited to see on a national stage that dude is always always sort hurt, hurt. Yeah. yeah, sad, um, but, but like, like Kadira and Ozil, I don't like we're rolling out Gundawan, Kadira, Gunzel like, like yeah. I, I just I don't need I don't need this group, you know what I mean, yeah Urzel always plays better for Germany, and I think he'll get a lot of respect from Yergi love um but. It's that, and then you get to the forwards, and it's like, okay, is Muller my only center forward? Am I really playing Mario Gomez? Like, really? There's this guy, Timo
1: Werner, who's supposed to be good. He plays for RB Leipzig.
0: But this is part of, like, the Yergi Love thing. I think it'll be Muller or Gomez to start up top. Yeah. Like, I think he's going to roll with the old guys, and I just don't. I don't love it. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be helpful. I especially don't
1: love Gomez. I don't know why you bring him instead of Sane. That's. Well, or just... <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, it's
0: My end. worry for their team is they're not going to have enough attacking oomph, and without Sané, that worry furthers. Yeah. Um, but they, they will roll Serbia, and yeah. I think they'll roll
1: the winner of... Colombia and Belgium. Columbia, or Colombia and England. I think yeah. that's a very favorable draw for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think Germany cakewalks to the semis, but... For sure. I This is not um, the machine I'm afraid of. No. um, So... Final round of the open round. we got to wrap this up soon.
1: Yeah.
0: I have Colombia over Belgium for all the reasons I talk about Belgium, and I just think they're going to really get tight and choke it a bit. Yeah, and I have um, Colombia
1: over England for all the for reasons, reasons that I joking, mentioned about England.
0: Hilarious. All right, let's loop back then.
1: Uruguay versus Argentina or Crow.
0: Yeah, I have Argentina being Uruguay. I, I like Uruguay. Um, I think Argentina has more talent, and then... I, think, I just think you're going to get such a nice, messy performance.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have Uruguay over Crow. Um, I would have picked Argentina over Uruguay were they in that spot.
0: Okay, cool. And um, we
1: have Brazil and Belgium slash England.
0: Yeah. I have Brazil over England.
1: Yeah, I have Brazil over Belgium. Yeah. I mean, I'm not just... inspired by either Belgium or England.
0: I I think I don't know if this totally was flushed out. We're talking Brazil, but I think with the weight of 2014 behind them, um, and just being able to just play, and they can never just play. There'll always be expectations, but I think that was just an insane level of expectation. Yeah, and I think they've really sorted out who needs to play where on their roster, and I I think it's going to be a really nice showing for them.
1: Um, and I also think what's interesting with Neymar is that like he he got hurt pretty recently, but um, he came back for an international friendly and looked real nice. Yeah, I, I feel like this whole season, ever since PSG got eliminated, has been sort of like just focused on that World Cup. So
0: yeah, this is his most competitive thing.
1: Yeah, I feel like he's ready for it.
0: Um, and on the right side, I have Spain, Croatia. You have Spain, Argentina. Yep. Um, I have Spain.
1: I have Spain. Advancing. Let's
0: let's use this time to talk about Spain. Okay. So they they rip off. Three straight wins where they go, I think they went Euro, World Cup, Euro, or yep. maybe World Cup, Euro, World Cup.
1: It was, it was Euro,
0: World Cup, Euro. So they rip off three straight wins. They're just the best team in Europe, and it's all built around this Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, center midfield that also ran Barcelona.
1: But they also had Piquet Puyol, which was key, I think.
0: Well, they had Piquet Puyol and Sergio Ramos. And Ramos, yeah. And, I mean, obviously they just have this elite Iker, defensive team. And of course. But you just, you think of those Spanish teams, and of course they brought in, like, like Juan Mata couldn't crack their rotation. And yeah. Juan Mata's, like, incredible. Yeah. But it's like Fabregas, it's now, you know, it's everyone. And they just, you think of those teams, seeing them never losing the ball.
1: Yes.
0: And I think when they got beat badly in the World Cup, and then in Euro again, um, you know, I think that was because they just got a little old. And I think that Xavi, Niesta, Busquets, center midfield, for all things it does great, it just lacks (laughs) speed and strength. Yeah. (laughs) As good as Busquets is, he can't cover for that many people. Um, And, you know, I think they also really are hurt by, you know, you think of Xavi, Niesta, Busquets on Barcelona. Who are they passing to? Messi. Who are they passing to on Spain? Alvaro Morata? Diego Costa? Like... Those guys aren't in the same league finishing as Messi, who is. But they're not in the same league playmaking either. Like, Messi, really, especially toward the end of the Xavi years, helped kickstart these offensive sequences and then yeah. would race back up and finish them. Um, but the reason why I'm, I'm much higher on Spain now, um, first of all, Ramos is still just incredible, and Pique is still incredible. Yep. And they've got Jordi Alba. they've got Carvajal, although maybe not. Um, and they've got the best goalie in the world in De Gea. So you could make an argument they're the best defensive team out there, uh, especially with how much they're going to hold the ball. Yeah. And, you know, I just think... Oh, we didn't even talk about David Silva. <laughs>
1: like a world-class center midfielder. Yeah. Had, I, be- had one of the best seasons of his career.
0: Yeah. I, they just, they've reloaded that center midfield, and they still have this great back line. And
1: Well, let's talk about every, everyone who they're going to sub in off the back line is going to be excellent. So, like, Koke from Atletico Madrid. Saul from Atletico Madrid. Are you talking about midfielders? Yeah, midfielders. Yeah. These guys, like, will not start for Spain at all, probably, but are each excellent players who could sub in yeah. very effectively. I'm really excited to see Asencia on this team. Oh, for sure. I want him to
0: I want him to play center forward and I want uh Maratha not to be out there.
1: Maratha didn't make the cut. <laughs> he didn't even make it. No, yeah, they <laughs> dropped him. Yeah. <laughs> I love um, that. I actually, so, like, people are really talking up Diego Costa, and I really hope that Diego Costa does not play a lot in this World Cup, although apparently everybody loves him. Apparently he's, like, a, a cool dude um, when I, he's happy. Well, everyone hates him at, Chelsea. at club teams he's been on. Yeah. In the Spanish team, well, maybe maybe, like, maybe this is just English reporters feeling like it's cute when he puts ice cubes in people's beds. But, like, that's his thing. <laughs> but yeah, like
0: he's kind of a jackass honestly yeah
1: but i i don't like him um which is why i hope that they either go for some false nine shit with isco who was an absolute baller uh, i don't need isco
0: playing false nine for me
1: well he was he was really balling during qualification um they dropped like a four or five piece on italy and isco was nice but i hope that this guy um rodrigo starts making some plays so he was so rodrigo is like a big left foot striker from Valencia, Mm -hmm. who was the reason why Valencia was so competitive this year. And he's a little old to be like, he's 27, so he's not like a big time, like people are talking about transferring for him kind of player. But I think that he is quality and he will finish. So I hope that he starts getting some chances. Yeah, I
0: mean, for me, I just, I feel like it's a fluke with that much talent to not be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they weren't awesome in two straight tournaments, I think, is a fluke, and I think they will come back. Absolutely. Um, I also think, you know, I think they're going to understand, hey, we need to play the ball through guys like Tiago and Isco more than Iniesta and Busquets. Yeah. Um, Tiago did not
1: impress me towards the end of uh, the Champions League with Bayern, but that's okay, because like we said, they've got a billion players <laughs> yeah, to, they, to, to rock in the middle. They
0: league. have a ton. Um, yeah. So that's that's that side. Um, I have Germany over Colombia, as do you. Yep. Um, We've talked about those teams. It's fine. So that leaves a final four for me of Argentina, Brazil, Spain, Germany. You have Uruguay, Brazil, Spain, Germany. Um, we both took Brazil and Spain to the final. Um, I don't want to talk too much about Brazil over Argentina and Brazil over Uruguay, just because I feel like those are talent mismatches. Yeah. Argentina less so, but you know, I think, I think if Brazil really opens up the game which they always do because they're Brazil. Um, That's to Messi's benefit, but to who else is on Argentina? And I think that might expose some of Argentina's weaker defenders and defensive center midfielders to an onslaught of Brazilian attacking fury. Yeah. Um, But let's talk Spain-Germany because that's a fascinating matchup, and we both took Spain through it. Absolutely. Um, Why? Well, Germany is probably a better team if you ask 10 people. At random. You yeah. Say more win. More Germany wins.
1: I I think that Germany is not gonna be as hungry as Spain is. I think that Spain is <laughs> I would never describe the Spanish national anything as hungry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Except maybe for Hamon. <laughs> <laughs> might be hungry for their siesta.
1: It's yeah. just not like
0: hunger is not something I really think of when I think of Spain.
1: Well, I what I would describe it as I don't feel like there's a sense of urgency for Germany. They won the last World Cup. They're good. Like, I don't I don't see guys like Cruz and Muller and, you know, uh I don't know, any, anyone on that team who's who's really just like like really chomping at the bit. I don't know. I, I guess I guess I feel like having some young blood who's never won before and is really like and like really providing some of the desire for the team is key. And like I think that guys like Isco, guys like Asensio, guys like um Saul and Coque, um just just bring and and like De Gea too. Like cuz he wasn't, you know, he wasn't on the teams that that won the uh that won those championships. I just think that there's there's new excellent players for Spain that have never won and you know are looking to to reach that level for the first time and i think it's hard really really hard i don't think has anyone ever repeated like back to back world absolutely probably brazil well yeah i mean in the modern era though um in the last like
0: 50 years so it was germany then spain then before that italy
1: before that i think brazil and then before that maybe brazil yeah, Germany, Spain, Italy, Brazil, France, Brazil, Germany, Argentina, Italy, Argentina, Germany, 80s, Brazil. Though. Yeah, this is the seventies. So the last time there was a back-to-back was Brazil in '62 and '58. Yeah. So, so it's not really a thing. It's not a thing, and I think that part of that is that it's just really, really, really fucking hard, and it's good to have some young guys who are who are pushing you. So I so I look at
0: the Spain Germany matchup. I've never felt the same about the German national team since Lahm left.
1: I think oh, they yeah. played
0: with a great passion and unity when he was there, and I don't... And too. But Schwein was a little washed up by the World Cup at that point, in my opinion. Um, I, I just kind of look at this team, and I've never been a Cruz fan. Müller has nice energy, but I never know what position he should play. Don't tell me Sammy Kadir is going to help them out too much. Um, I wouldn't just, count on
1: Ozil for shit.
0: Ozil is, like, fun, <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, God, Arsenal is such a wasteland of talent. I, I know. I like Urzel. I'll defend him just generally because I think he's really smart. But, uh, it's like, there's just not a lot that has me really jumping out of my seat about this team. Whereas I know Spain's going to show up with an elite backline, an elite goalie, an elite center midfield passing. And it may come down to a 0-0 game um, where someone's going to have to bang in some some PKs or eke out a corner goal. Um, and I just, I just really trust Sergio Ramos to get a corner goal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I just trust, I trust Spain much more to have more of the ball and control that situation than I trust Germany to. Absolutely. And I think if you want to beat Spain, I think the way to do it is to counter them hard and out athleticize them in the center. And I don't think Germany's built for that.
1: Yeah. They played a they played a friendly, which was an excellent game uh, in during the last international break. And Spain was the better team. Like Germany, I think I forget whether I think it ended in a tie. It was a delightful game to watch. Somebody, I think it was Cruz, ripped like a thirty five yard bender to like score <laughs> the only goal for Germany. <laughs> so Chris like can do that.
0: He's got a fucking cannon, but it's back to my point of like I, if long range midfield shooting is your best asset, I'm not super here for that. Yeah. So
1: hence Spain.
0: All right, and then um, Brazil-Spain final, we disagree here. I have Brazil taking it all.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that Brazil has more talent. I might just be a sucker for, for Spanish football. Um, it's a fascinating
0: style matchup with Brazil-Spain because Brazil is just going to bomb forward yeah, and just do this awesome freewheeling attack. I think the way to expose that is to really fuck with them when they're exposed, because they'll expose themselves. That's the whole thing with Brazil, is they'll bomb forward. And I thought Germany, when they dice them, you know, Brazil pushes up and gets out of defensive position. You win the ball, you go right for that exposure. Mm -hmm. That's not really Spain's M.O. Spain's just going to kind of (laughs) hold the ball, dink it around, try and break you down. I think that's... Spain's strength doesn't play to Brazil's weakness in a way that... I'm super here for. Um, I also just, it really feels like these Brazil guys know there's unfinished business and are going to really want to go get that done and you know, you talk about not feeling urgency from Germany. Most of the important guys on Spain have won a World Cup. I mean, you're looking at Thiago Isco. Isco hasn't won a World Cup. I know, I'm saying guys who haven't. Thiago Isco and like Diego Costa
1: as far as their starters. Um, they, they bring back a lot of like old guard. So I think this is less true now than, than in a while. De Gea, Carvajal. Um, I, I mean, Alba right now is, is going to be the starter and he won, but either, either, (laughs) um, Odrizola or Aspoliqueta Aspoliqueta, I don't think, well, actually Aspoliqueta might've won on the last one. But also like Saúl, Coque, Tiago, Asensio, Isco, and then whoever they get up top, whether it's Lucas Vasquez, Rodrigo, or Diego, that's that's enough guys who haven't won, I think. You know? Like it, like you're right, Busquets, Iniesta, Ramos, Alba, Pique have won. But like, that's less than half of your starters. So I feel like that's just enough experience to be composed during the final game and have some guys who are ready to go get it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a World Cup. Everyone's motivated. But I just I think you're going to see a little more energy and oomph out of this Brazil team than you'll see out of the Spain team. Um, but all right. that's uh, That does the preview. All right. Anything you want to lob in? Um...
1: You know, I, I, um, I, I guess when I, was, when I was reviewing all these rosters and looking through all these players, something that I kept coming back to is how I felt that both Uruguay and Argentina had better role players than, um, than I had thought. Like, if you just play FIFA and you see, like, these great players on Uruguay and Argentina and nobody else, like, it looks like a wasteland back there, I don't think that's the case, and I think that um, I think that what like FIFA does some really good things for us because it helps us to to you know see some players who we might not be used to seeing and actually put a rating on them so we can have a rough idea of how they play. But one way that it fails us is that people who aren't like dominating a European league are not given a lot of credit. So. I'm excited to see what Argentina and Uruguay can do. I I hope that you're right that um, Argentina places second in their group to get them away from Spain, uh, because I would love to see an Uruguay Argentina um, round of eight matchup. I think it could be excellent.
0: Yeah, um, I think you're right that people people really do tend to leverage FIFA for most of their (laughs) analysis. Um, I. I guess I try and come back to. I mean, it's tough because I love all these teams, like you know your, your Croatias, your Mexicos, your. I mean, Egypt is maybe not good enough to be in this conversation, but the teams that are solid but have no, real good chance at winning the whole thing, Mm -hmm. um, they're really fun to watch because inevitably one of them will crack the final four and it'll be really fun, uh, and and they'll kind of get all the underdog status and everyone be pulling for them, but. You know, at the end of the day, it's really tough. Anyone can win a soccer game. It's really tough for an under team to win, like, six. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I'm looking at the odds, say, or I'm trying to find who's the horse I want to jump on, I really keep coming back to, you know, Germany, Brazil, France, Spain, Argentina, Belgium, as much as I'm doubting Belgium. Um, and even then, I think Argentina's flawed... And I think Belgium's bombish. So I, it comes down to Germany, France, Spain, Brazil for me. And so, even if you throw France out, then it's just Germany, Brazil, Spain.
1: So if I was if I was betting, I like Brazil plus 450. I like Spain plus 600. I like Argentina plus 1,000. If I wanted to take something that was higher than that, I would swing for uh, Portugal at, at plus 2,500 or Uruguay at plus 3,300. I would never bet France plus 600. That seems like crazy town to me.
0: If I'm looking for the best value, I'd probably go England plus 1,600. Oh. I know it's, like, taboo to think. No. It'd be like picking, like, the Redskins to win the title or something. Or some, like, horrible team that always is like bitten.
1: Um, Dude, how could you not go for Uruguay if you're going for the value play? Or Portugal. Because they're worse. (laughs) Then England? Yeah. No. We all
0: just write Whoa. off England because we've watched Rain- Wayne Rooney too many times. <laughs> just trust me. They have good players. All right. This can work. Okay. Looking forward to that Belgium-England game. <laughs> me too. Watch Belgium just roll the competition. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's wrap it, though, because we we're going to cut a second pod, maybe.
1: Probably it for the day for me today. But <laughs> maybe next time.
0: All right. Maybe next time. All right. Thanks, Nick. Peace.